Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. This episode is sponsored by Benjamin Moore and Sherwin-Williams. Welcome to the Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast, a show created to help painting company owners build a thriving painting business that does well over $1 million in annual revenue. I'm your host, Brandon Pierpont, founder of Painter Marketing Pros and creator of the popular PCA educational series, Learn, Do, Grow, Marketing for Painters. In each episode, I'll be sharing proven tips, strategies, and processes from leading experts in the industry on how they found success in their painting business. We will be interviewing owners of the most successful painting companies in North America and learning from their experiences. On this episode of the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast, we host guest Jack McGee. Jack is the founder and owner of Trailblaze Paints, a residential and commercial repaint company based in Mooresville, North Carolina. Jack shares how he has grown Trailblaze Paints to doing over $2 million per year after only two years in business. At 23 years old, Jack is the youngest guest that the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast has ever had. Throughout this interview, Jack shares his entrepreneurial mindset and the power that this mindset has had on growing his business. Jack is working hard to make Trailblaze Paints as closely resemble the McDonald's model as possible, and he outlines how he is systematizing his business to improve efficiencies while he grows. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Jack, thanks for coming on the Painter Marketing Mastermind podcast, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, Brandon. So tell us a little bit about Trailblaze Paints. Yeah, so our company's motto is honesty, integrity, and quality. And that's what we built our company on. Uh, we started February of 2020, as soon as the pandemic hit. And uh, old man. <laughs> uh, very quickly became the number one rated paint company in our area. And where are you based? Um, Mooresville, North Carolina. So a little north of Charlotte. Okay, nice. What's the, um, what's the population there? Oh gosh, I don't know. A lot. A lot. And you quickly became, <laughs> how'd you do that? Um, so I'm less of a painter, more of an entrepreneur, right? Okay. So, um, just strategic referral strategies, sitting down with customers at the end of the project saying, Hey, if you leave us a review, we'll knock $50 off the bill and we get the review while we're there, uh, really helps versus just randomly sending them a review link or just asking in passing. Mm. I'm not going to tell Google about this, Jack. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but okay. hey, it, it works, man. It gets you there faster, right? What do you, you guys have over 50 reviews now, don't you? Yeah, 55 today, I think, 55. So are you at this point, you guys are obviously 
super new company, just barely over two years. Are you doing the, the sales at this point? What's your role in the company? So we had a sales guy for six weeks and I trained him and he just had the personality of a soda can. So he didn't last. Um, I just, just hired another guy though. And I think he'll, he'll be decent. So I don't manage the production anymore. I'm trying to step out of the role of sales at this point. Yep. I don't do any of the back end work. You know, again, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not, I'm, I'm really good at hiring people that are better than me. That's about nice. it. Yeah. I love that. And so you're, you've been really focused on, on getting these systems set up and then getting people put into those roles that are maybe going to be able to perform them better than you. Exactly. Exactly. Who, so you have a, what's your org chart look like right now? Who do, who do you have in house? So in-house people is my administrator. She's the one that helps me actually build the system. So they're trainable uh, and then plenty of other things. And then the uh, production manager is a, an employee. The sales guy will be a 1099, but I would, I would consider that in-house still. Um, sure. Everything else, our marketing efforts, our um, painters, our call services, anything else under the sun in my business is all uh, subcontracted. Sure. So do you, you guys use a call center then to field your calls? Yeah. Yep. So you're in a, a, so you're on track right now in 2022, your, I guess this will be your second full year in business um, from a calendar year and yep. you are on track to do over 2 million. Is that correct? Yeah. That's impressive. Well, so we'll definitely over two. Definitely over two. So then what, um, I mean, what kind of walk us through this because most of the guests that we have have had painting companies for quite a lot longer. You just went from zero to now over two. I would love to get sort of a chronological timeline. Like, Hey, here's, here's why I started the business. Here's what I did first here. Maybe some mistakes I made. Like if, if you could just kind of go through your journey, that would be great. Yeah. So I'll start with year one. It's funny. And I'm having the most fun today than I've ever had in my business. Uh, yeah. And I'm, anyways, year one, I was working, you know, 70, 80 hours a week. I was helping my subs on these projects because I didn't have quality subs. I was fighting to get bids by being low priced. I was having to do the classic thumbtack and just scramble for leads. Year one was tough. Year one was a lot of learning. Um, and then I kind of figured out some marketing principles and strategies. Um, and do a heavy guerrilla tactic. So we're all wearing company shirts. I've got wrapped vehicles. We're putting yard signs all over town. I've got direct mailers going out to my ideal clients. Um, again, strategic referrals at the end of the job, I'm sitting down, I'm saying, hey, you know, is there anyone else you know who would benefit from this service? Uh, neighborhood Facebook pages. Can you post on your neighborhood Facebook page while we're here? Um, the reviews help with the sales. Um, what else do we do? I don't know. We just try to be everywhere. Sure. Um, and, and it really goes a long way. And, uh, so anyways, year one was tough. Year one was a lot of work, a lot of customer complaints, a lot of saving the day. Uh, year two, 
got a little bit easier. We did 700, um, you know, and there were really two parts to the year. The first half of the year and the second half. The first half I had a Facebook agency who I don't think had the best integrity and was kind of jerking me along. And I was green enough that I was listening to them and trusting them. Um, and it hindered my sales. So for the first six months, I did about 200 in sales. Wow. And then we switched marketing companies and uh, expanded into 500 nice. in sales for the last six months. Uh, so hiring, hiring high quality marketers is a big deal too. Yep. Uh, and, and then, then uh, so this year has been really focused on sales. So towards the end of the year, last year, we were getting a lot of leads, um, but I was not an effective salesperson. My close rate was about 17%, which is not great. Um, and so far this year, we've drastically increased that closer to 35, 40%. How'd you do that? Uh, some uh, very intentional sales training. We, I've got a sales trainer. His name's Marshall Wilkinson. Um, it's like actually going in there and handling objections, professionally pressuring people, um, delivering quotes on the spot, and having having the confidence in your product that it's the right fit. Sure. So when you, I guess let's, well, I, got, I got a couple of things I kind of want to dive into. Um, when you professionally pressure people a little bit what does that look like it sounds like you really you paid someone to come in and train your team right on on sales mm -hmm. tactics so that's that's awesome you know very few companies do that painting companies what are some of the biggest things that you've learned what what does that process that sales process close process look like for you guys yeah so his philosophy is called alp so altitude as in your confidence and your competence in your product L is logic. Does this make sense? Is this a good fit? And P is the professional pressure. Um, a big part of it for me too is the altitude piece, just coming in there and understanding, hey, I'm literally the best um, in the least arrogant way possible. Sure. Uh, but then when it really comes down to sitting at the table also, you know, hey, like this quote is twice the other guy's quote, like, but I'm just going to go with the other guy. And then asking them the questions, say, you know, what matters most to you, price or getting the job done on time, on budget, and at the highest quality. And it, eventually you loop them into, huh, there's a reason why this other guy is 50% less. And sure. that's, you're going to get what you pay for. Yeah. Yeah. Competing against the, the chuck in the trucks, the fly-by-night contractors over there. Yeah. You have to, it sounds like what you guys are doing is kind of educating. I guess the, the customers in a way. Yeah. Well, at this, at the same time, it's not discounting someone else. And I don't like to sell by telling horror stories. Cause that's not, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I always just say, I'm like, listen, we all know that friend who got totally ripped off or paint yeah. all over house or this, you sure. know, we don't need to go into that right now. Yeah. You know, I think everyone understands you get what you pay for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes sense, man. So then uh, another question I had is, is you, you've really focused on kind of formalizing the referral process 
um, mm-hmm. which I think is genius. You know, people, people tend to think that referrals and repeat business is this passive process, but it's really an active process. What does that look like when, when you sit down and, and you ask if, if, you know, any of their friends or neighbors or family might need a, a paint project, do you offer incentives or what, what does that look yeah. like? Yeah. So that's on the front end too. That's something we'll bust out when someone says, Hey, like, can you come lower on the price? Well, no, it would be disingenuous for me to have presented an inflated price. Artificially so inflated, inflated. Sure. Yeah. Um, but what I can do is I can offer you these rebates and what a rebate looks like is, Hey, at the end of the project, we're going to sit down with you and we're going to do X, Y, Z. Um, typically that looks like a Google review. Yep. A Facebook post in a certain group. I don't, I don't just want you to post it on your personal page. I want you to put it in a group where thousands of people are going to see it. Sure. And then another one on the next, the next door app. Okay. And, and then this, the, yep. So the value of those is going to fluctuate based on the project size. Okay. Um, as someone who's spending $60,000 with me is going to want more than someone who's spending $10,000 with me. Sure. Right. Um, you were going to ask a question though, and I cut you off. Oh, no. Do you, if you, do you ever um, have people refer directly like, Hey, my sister needs her house painted. What does that look like for the person who referred if you get the job with the sister? And what does that look like for the sister? Does she get some sort of better price? So the sister, no. Um, but for the person who refers, we have a referral incentive where whether we get the job or not, we're going to send you either a $50 Amazon gift card, or if you have Venmo or something, we'll just give you straight $50 cash sure. just for a qualified appointment. Sure. Yeah. And the way, I phrase, the way I phrase it to my clients is, you know, I'm paying a marketing company to get me these appointments. I'd much rather pay you my customer than my marketing company. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And, and those are best leads you can get. So $50 for a referred lead. I mean, that's a steal. <laughs> I, I know. I yeah. know. That's great, man. I love that. So, all right. So you have, I've kind of been figuring things out. Your one was a bit rough um, as it often is for new businesses. You say that you are really an entrepreneur and that that's your personality. So I guess, can you speak to that? Maybe a little bit about your background and then how that mindset and, and personality has impacted your business. Yeah, so this is my uh, fifth business. Uh, all the other ones were just massive implosions. Um, That's, you how take works, a lot of- That's how it works. Yeah. yeah, but I'm so glad I did that. You know, I didn't go yep. to college and get kicked in the teeth by life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and just from the start, you know, I had a lot of people behind me saying, stick to the brush or get on the brush. You're going to make more money. It's going to be a slow grind, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I've got a philosophy that you listen to everyone, but you don't take everyone's advice. Yep. Um, and this isn't the last business I'll start, but sure. it, I want to treat it almost like a Silicon Valley startup of, Hey, let's go big, let's go fast. And, uh, but let's also do it right. Right. How old are you, Jack? I always ask the follow-up question. How old do you think I am? 28. 23. You're 23. Yeah. You play at a higher level. You play at a higher level. Impressive. I try. 
So you've started four businesses prior to starting your painting company at 21. So, so when you were 21, you had started four businesses. Yeah, uh, guitar lessons. So I still play guitar almost every day. That's like my meditation. Mm. Um, I was lazy with that. That was the lesson on that one. Um, then got pulled out of the restaurant industry, did uh, landscaping. And that was just, I didn't market and I wasn't diligent in sales. And it was, you know, you can't really subcontract landscaping either. Or at least if you can, I didn't, I didn't have that perspective then. Then uh, home remodels, and that was tough because I wasn't the one buying the house. I was the one working on the houses, right? Yep. Um, and it's just a lot, and I, I like paint better. And then I had a stock options business, which I would make, you know, 2% a month on, but being, I think I was 19, 20 at the time, I need cash. I don't need 2% on my money every yeah. month yeah interesting man pretty varied so with this with this entrepreneurial drive you approaching the painting business as a kind of a silicon valley startup move fast um move hard potentially break things sometimes but keep the quality up <laughs> um, right right like in that facebook's model like move fast and break things something like that um what yeah. is i guess how is that changing how you approach the business I know you said you didn't stay on the brush. You, you weren't going to kind of paint and grind. And, and so probably you hired a little bit more quickly, but what are the biggest differences between how you're approaching it and how you see other painting company owners approaching it? Um, I'd say a big piece is in the branding and the marketing and the, the actual backend side of the paint business. So understanding the importance of systems, um, one of my favorite things that I always come back to is McDonald's. Yep. They have a 16-year-old girl running a multi-million dollar business, right? Because their systems are so incredible. They can just take anyone and toss them in the kitchen and make them a manager of how to do this and that. Yep. Um, so trying to figure out how you make systems that are so easy that a monkey can follow them. Yep. Granted, McDonald's is a little bit different than paint, but... Uh, Understanding the systems and the importance of systems in your business, which I'm still like, that's the big thing that we're working on this year is sales system building. Um, the piece that's gotten me to where I am today is my branding. So understanding who is my ideal client? Um, who do I need to be in front of? Where do I find those people? Um, how do I be the biggest fish in my pond? We've actually, uh, so we've got, our number two competitor. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I have an unhealthy obsession with competition. And I run into this guy at Jersey Mike's and uh, I'm laughing with him. I'm like, dude, you got to watch out, man. We're coming for you this year. And I'm joking. And he blows me off. He's like, who's this kid? Like, shut up, get out of my face. He's like, there's plenty of work. You're not taking any work from me, kid. Yeah. Basically what he says. <clears throat> Uh, fast forward to two weeks ago and we're competing with him on every bid and we're winning every bid. And we get a phone call from a client saying, Hey, just so you know, your competitor, Lance, the, the other painting company is literally harassing my current client, just trash talking us. And he's got, he's got nothing 
to show for it. He's just he's flustered and he's scared because we're sucking all the oxygen out of the market. What's he? He's, you're saying he's he's calling your customer saying bad things about your company. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And we've gotten that feedback several times now, and he's just like he's actually scared because we're. And I always say it like this: we are literally taking oxygen out of the market. He can't breathe. What are you, are you going to, I guess, just ignore that? Is that going to alter your sales process? If you know that the customers are going to be getting calls from him every time, what's your approach there? Not at all. That's him. He's selling for me. Yeah. <laughs> right. If you have someone harassing you about another company, yet the company that you're calling about is the number one rated We're young professionals. We present well, mm-hmm. um, and we're the most recommended. What does that say about the other guy? You know? Yeah. And he's getting the second most phone calls, you know? Yeah. I, I wonder what your, uh, your Jersey Mike's encounters are going to be like now. Might be a little, <laughs> might be a little weird. <laughs> uh, I see. I don't really care. I'm not going to play dirty. Um, Cause that's not how you win business. Yeah. Have you ever watched uh, the movie, the founder? Yeah. 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 I love that movie. I was actually talking with my wife. I, I look to McDonald's a lot as well as and then that movie um mcdonald's it turns out it's actually really a, a real estate company you know and, yeah. and that's really what they are um which is interesting and, and i was talking to my wife last night not to take this topic insanely you know this podcast insanely off topic but i was i was like i wonder if painting companies could do something similar where they could basically open let's say open franchises or even office locations in different areas and buy small commercial buildings um for their painting company and become sort of a real estate company. I digress. I don't know real estate law very well. I hadn't thought about the real estate aspect in painting either. And I'm not a big real estate guy. So that didn't, you intrigue me. Yeah. Well, you're a Silicon, you're a Silicon Valley guy. So I know you're going to, you'll probably go, go back and figure out this answer for me. If you figure it out, I would love to know. Well, and that's another piece too. You know, you've got the franchise model or keeping it in house. And that's another thing of, you know, to me, this isn't a successful company if I don't have multiple locations. Um, so do you keep all of those in house and have systems so that it's easy enough that it's not a headache doing that? Or do you franchise that? Because, uh, you know, on a franchise, I don't know how much you make on a franchise. What is it like 5%, 3%? I know very little about franchises. Let's say it's 3% versus being the owner, you're closer to 20%. Anyways, that's just, those are the kinds of things that keep me up at night. I guess, yeah, I guess the franchises, you get the infusion of capital, but for painting companies, not really a big deal. Now, if you want the real estate way, maybe it would be a big deal. Um, and then you, you yeah, someone else is really responsible for it. Kind right. Of blow up and, and basically sell your system, but yeah, are, are you thinking about opening a second location in the near future? Or what's your thought process with that? Well, this one needs to be a well-oiled machine. I, I think this one location, which it would essentially be from Charlotte to Hickory, which is a 40-mile mm-hmm. radius, nice. um, it could easily be 20, 20 plus million dollars. Yeah. Um, so until we have one location that's just a well-oiled machine, it doesn't make sense for me to expand. Yeah. Yeah. And that was interesting to me too, that your, your competitor is so panicked when 
when you are at, you know, north of 2 million, because I know he shouldn't be right. And, and you shouldn't be, nobody should be. There's plenty of work where you are. You just said you could get to $20 million. I have no doubt there there's this misconception oftentimes with this scarcity mindset that if you have a professional competitor and they show up to the same bids as you, then there's not enough work for the both of you, you know, but, but one thing Jason Paris always says is go into your Sherwin Williams store, um, ask them how much paint they're selling per month, do the math, figure out how many jobs that is, what percentage job of those jobs do you need um, to actually be at the level of success you want to be take into account how many paint stores are in the area and the math's, kind of shows you you're thinking small, right? And so right. you're saying 20 million, a lot of people be like, you can't get to 20 million, but you can. You sit down and you, you do the market cap of, of you know, number of houses and, and your target demographic. And there's a lot more opportunity available than people tend to realize. Absolutely, absolutely. So what is, so So it seems like you've given a lot of thought to your, your ideal customer, your, your customer avatar. What does that look like for you? So it also goes with the branding. I mean, what's your brand suited towards? And ours is, luxury painting services um we want to be on the high end of our market so what does it look like um eight hundred thousand plus dollar homes uh typically they've got someone who lives at home whether it's the wife or the husband that works it's typically a partner someone stays at home um typically with children anywhere between 40 to 65 and then uh, within certain zip codes. So if you look, I think we found it on the census studies, but you can see what areas and what zip codes have what amounts of household incomes, house values, um, and you can really pinpoint what zip codes are where your money's gonna be. And that's huge for if you guys are doing the direct mail and things like that, that's massive, that the yeah. pinpointing door hangers, anything, anything offline, you know, online too, but offline, you can get even more granular, you know, house by house. Yeah, no, I, and that's, a, that's a big thing. I really do like the direct mailer strategy and some people have asked me about it and it's not necessarily for direct response because you, you don't get great direct response sure. off of direct mailers. It's more that once you've called me, you've already seen me at this point, maybe a hundred times. No joke. Sure. Uh, and we've created a relationship already. Yeah. Which just makes the sales process that much easier. Yeah. No, you're, you're kind of um, maintaining this top of mind presence for new prospective customers. Exactly. And most customers have to be touched multiple times before they can make a decision. So before they even are in the market, you're touching them. You know, they, you know that, that they are your ideal customer. You want to paint their house when they want it painted. And so you're touching, 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 touching. Now, when they come in the market, you're, you're much better positioned than your competitors who, who haven't touched them yet. Exactly. I think uh, Brian Reese is the one that taught me that. Has Brian been on this? Oh, yeah. He was, uh, I think he was number four or something. He was early on. <laughs> I'm going to have him on again. We're, we're doing a, a round two at some point. I, I'm sure he's only grown exponentially since the last time you talked with him. He is a beast. Yes. He's a really smart guy. Um, and he, I, I think he researched, you need at least 12 touch points hmm. before a, a customer is ready to buy. Yep. So he's, he's the one that kind of taught me that. Nice. Yeah. Especially with, you know, this isn't an impulse decision for people. This is a big, big investment for most people. Right. 
at the same time too, how, how do we make it an impulse decision? Uh, so kind of switching gears a little bit back to the sales process, you know, before you're sitting down and you're presenting your proposal, how do you build that emotion? Because this is an emotional sale, yep. you know, people. Oh yeah. People, highly emotional. Yep. Yeah. People aren't buying because of the price. They're going to tell you it's because of the price, but it's, it's because they don't see the value difference. Right. Yeah. Um, so before you're getting the proposal, before you go take your measurements, switching away from educating them on paint, because I can tell you, hey, I'm going to prime and I'm going to paint this two coats with high quality paint, right? This is what I recommend as a professional, blah, blah, blah. Takes me three, five minutes. But then the other piece should be, oh, you want these colors? Oh my goodness. When you drive home every single day, like your house is going to feel so much lighter. I can only imagine that, you know, over the last few years driving up to this dirty house, it just feels almost depressing looking at this house every time you come home, especially after a bad day and you just look at all this versus after we're done and, you know, it's going to be a beautiful light gray and just feel brighter and you're going to want to have your friends over and sit outside and barbecue and um, it's definitely time. Have you ever been slapped by a homeowner? Um, after you call their house dirty? Nah, not at all. <laughs> because at that point, we're agreeing with them because they're telling yeah, us. Yeah, they've already told you these things. Yeah, they, right. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying your house is disgusting. And if, like, I hate the color beige, I always find out if they want a beige or not before I trash on the color beige. Yeah, yeah, you're, you would, and I want to clarify that because I know what you're saying. For anyone listening, you, you, you don't, just start saying bad things about the house you're going off of what they've told you like hey th this house it feels dark it feels you know I, I don't really don't like it, it feels sad whatever so then you're you're coming and you're kind of you're kind of basically empathizing with the pain that they've already expressed to you and then you're selling the dream saying yeah that this house you know it, it feels it's been feeling dark for so long but but here's how we're going to make it feel exactly all bad um what is your what is your plan for, I guess you said you're going to work on a lot of systems processes um, this year. Is that the primary plan? Or are, you, are you still focused? Uh, and, and in terms of systems processes, is that primarily sales? Is it operations? I guess what does this year look like for you? And what does 2023 look like for you? Yeah, so 2022. So where we are is we've hired key roles um, and we're working on training them. And as we're training them, we keep finding all these questions of what is not already answered sure. and plugging those back into the systems. Um, another piece is client interaction. You know, I keep, I'm on the high end of the market and we keep getting pain in the butt clients. Understanding how to mitigate that via systems, onboarding packages. Um, but yeah, I need to extract myself from the field. Mm -hmm. So that I can really understand how to build and expand the systems because to me it's still sort of a gray area. Sure. So and going we, back to Brian, Brian's incredible at that. Brian's really good at that. Yeah. So you you're saying that you get because you're at the high end of the market, you get pain in the butt clients. What what are the things that they tend to gripe about or that tend to be issues? <laughs> So we're at the like high, high end 
and people expect perfection mm -hmm. and there's no such thing as perfect right sure. so it's always the really small fine details it's not like there's any drop in the ball in quality but it's really small detail stuff that is like hey we should get through the project and finish before we we're cleaning for 30 minutes every single day mm -hmm. Or do I bid and create systems so that we have 30 minutes for a six man crew to clean every day? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, those are the customer complaints we get is basically small, fine detail stuff that, and it's not just one time at the end. It's like we're doing, you know, 15, 30, 40, 50, $60,000 projects in residential world. And that takes time. And it's an everyday something. What is your typical profit margin on your projects, your gross profit? So we bid them at 50%. Last year was abysmal. I think we came in at 25% after produced. And a lot of that was from some things early on. You know, I've definitely gotten sued. I've gotten stiffed. And that affects the gross profit. Um, but this year we're steadily tracking 40 to 45% after the project is produced. So we've, we've worked some of those profit kinks. How do you, how do you work that out with your sub? Do you pay them as a percentage of the project or, or how do you pay them? Uh, I just give them a, a dollar value. I say, okay. Hey, here's how much I have to pay you. You go do it. Okay. So you guys come up with your own separate arrangement essentially. Yeah. Okay. And then who buys the materials? Is it you or is I, it I buy I buy the paints. Okay. Don't tell the IRS. I don't think you're allowed to do that, but. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. We won't tell them. I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you, you kind of buy them anyways, you know, because you're either including it in what you're paying them or, or you're buying it separately, but uh, that's essentially, right. you know, how it works. Um, you know, with the paint shortage too, sometimes you just have to upgrade a product for the sake of getting the job done. And a sub's not going to upgrade the product they're going to go from resilience to super paint, whereas I'm going to go from resilience to duration. Right. right. So, so when you, when you have customer issues, whether or not they are reasonable, how do you handle them? With honesty, integrity, and quality. Okay. Um, you know, in their mind, they're always right. Yep. And the classic, the customer is always right. It goes back to that logic principle too in ALP of agreeing with them. Hey, I, I totally hear you, Mr. And Mrs. Client. Um, you know, if we look at this, this is standard, blah, 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 blah. You know, it, just walking them through it and saying, hey, I understand this is just a stressful process, but you hired the best for a reason. You know, this is, this is just part of the process. I promise you're in good hands and you're going to get taken care of. So with your, you know, you, when you started the business, you were wearing a lot of hats as, as we all do when we start a business, what, what did you hire out first? So was it, was it your admin and then your project manager and then your sales estimator? What was, where did you start replacing yourself first and how'd you choose that order? Well, of course, the first thing was the painters, right? Yeah. Um, I think I painted one house. And when I say I painted a house, I had my friend paint it and I went and sold it to work. 
Um, zero houses, but we'll call it one. Yeah, we'll call it one. Um, and then from there, it took me, I think, a full twelve months to make my first in-house hire, and it was a production manager. And, you know, I, I got good at hiring subs, so I was like, oh, I'm I'm good at hiring. And then I just kind of hired someone based on them saying they were going to work hard for me. And he worked really hard, but he wasn't smart. Um, so it wasn't a it wasn't a good fit, and it wound up costing me over forty thousand dollars. Wow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I needed to take a step back and recoup forty thousand um, dollars. And then come September of that year, I hired an admin person so that I could be in the field and do everything and not worry about what was going on in the back end. Uh, Cause we offer a lot of things and uh, like color renders, additional communications, blah, 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 blah. So anyways, office manager was the first person and she's incredible. I'm so glad I hired her. Uh, then the call service, call service was next so that I didn't have my phone blowing up. And then, uh, the salesperson was next, which again, that was a more recent hire in January. And uh, he didn't work out. But in, when I hired him, I also hired a PM. And she's been incredible. Uh, so successfully, I hired the office, then PM. And uh, we'll, we'll see how this next sales guy does. I think he'll do well. Nice. So when you, when you say you're good at hiring, um, subcontractors and obviously quality is really important to you. What's your process there? How do you go about ensuring that, that the quality control with these subcontractors, the painters? Well, one, I've got a list of over a hundred different subcontractors who want to work for me. So I've got an incredible list of people to interview in the first place. How'd you get that? Uh, that's, that's a really good question. I do a lot of in-person networking. So I see a guy with uh, wrapped ladders at the gas station. I pull over at the gas station and I talk to him. I see a guy at the grocery store or getting food. I go talk to them, uh, especially at the paint store. I see you at the paint store. I, I go talk to you. Anywhere, anywhere I see a van like that, I'm, I'm going out and I'm getting your phone number. And then interviewing them, I check their ladders. A lad ladders are a big piece for me. Ladders will tell you if they know what they're doing or not in my opinion. Do they have 40 foot ladders? Are you insured? Are you clean-ish? I mean, as clean as you can get for a painter. Yeah. The other piece is none of our guys do drugs. No one really smokes cigarettes on our job sites. Um, and I think that's just a personality thing. Like you're just I've got a list of a hundred guys. If that's the kind of personality you have, you're probably not going to fit my company. Sure. What, what advice do you have or what have you learned about hiring your in-house employees? Uh, don't hire the cheap people just because you can get someone cheap. Doesn't mean that it's not always worth having extra bodies because they're just going to get in the way. Um, so hire for quality. I always interview plenty of people. 
The other piece is uh, like my PM, she was a Sherwin-Williams employee and uh, she was just so incredible. I had to, I had to take her. Yeah. Same thing with several of my painters. Like they worked for other companies and said, Hey, you should come work for me. Um, I find that the best people typically already have jobs and you need to sell them on your vision and why your company is better. Do you, do you offer them a, a pay raise to come join you? Uh, I just, the sales guy, no, no, no. I just hired a, a videographer as well, a full-time videographer. He took a pay cut. Um, so not necessarily. Some people, yes, the PM, she got a pay raise. Uh, my office person, she's had plenty of pay raises. Uh, but it's more about the vision. You know, people want to be on a speedboat, not a sinking ship. So the, what is your, so you have a full-time videographer. Yeah. So, well, that's how I phrase the position to them. It's full-time taking videos, pictures, editing those, putting it on social medias. That was, I mean, I literally just hired that guy yesterday, which is why I haven't really talked about it. Um, but really that's a guise for an extra person to be on the job sites doing quality assurance. Because we're running five teams at a time right now. We're producing about 50 to 60,000 a week. And my production manager is just stretched so thin. And if we're getting all these nitpicky details, it's really going to help to have someone who is, whose only job is to be on the job sites taking videos and pictures versus them having to do quality control stuff, customer communications, scheduling, all, all of the stuff that a production manager needs to focus on. Gee, that's interesting. So you have, yeah, another, another set of eyes out there with a video camera. So people are definitely going to um, want to make sure they're acting in the best manner possible. Do you, now you do interior and exterior, correct? With these homes. Yeah, we do inside, outside and cabinets. And the cabinets. So when you're inside of a house, I guess even outside, but especially inside, how does that work with the customer for you sending a videographer? Do you get some sort of release? Do you let them know, Hey, we might be taking some videos inside your house. Is there any sort of, I guess maybe you don't know yet because you just hired them, but what's your plan there? I could see some potential pushback. Yeah, that's uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's what my PM said. She's like, Hey, we should really put that in the contract of like, Hey, we're taking videos and pictures on your job sites. You know, the intimate painting, the, the interior painting works already really intimate. As soon as you bring in a, a videographer, it, it could throw some people off if they don't get the heads up. It's a good point. This is the entrepreneurial mindset here, right? Build it, build it on the way down. You jump off and be like, oh, damn, I probably should have put that in the contract. All right, we'll figure <laughs> it out. <We'll> <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, uh, that's that's a good point. Um but piggybacking on that too, I, you know, what's some advice for some other people where I see people get hung up? Perfectionism. Yeah. If that's a word, being perfectionists. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't care. You know? I know. I love it. I mean, I think, I think I'm like, I'm really, really happy that this just came up because I think it's, you know, so often we 
hear these stories and and i mean that's essentially what i'm doing is is hearing people's stories asking people's stories but it's all in the past and so they'll they'll say kind of have a a massive bias toward action don't be perfectionist you know you know prioritize good is done is better than perfect you know all these kinds of things that tell you just to move just to do it but it's still scary it's scary for people to think they're going to mess up it's scary for people to think they're going to overlook something and right now we just came across something you're doing that you did you hadn't thought about and that is how oh you better figure it out but that's okay because what you're doing is is still genius right you're, you're putting another pair of eyes you're going to get all kinds of stellar marketing material from it your your quality control process is going to be handled better your quality is going to be better so ultimately the customers are going to be happier and you just have to figure out how to iron out this one kink as you go so i think it's it's that and that's why you're at over two million in in two years you know is because of this kind of mindset so i think for anyone listening um this isn't a mistake that you made this is a, this is proof of how you're operating and living and why you're seeing the success as quickly as you are so I'm super happy that this just came up. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, you know, it's funny. I was really stressed earlier this week because we had just several clients saying stuff. And I, again, I'm obsessed with being the best. So when people are super critical, especially as consistent as it was earlier this week about stupid stuff, um, I, I got a little stressed. But then I got so excited because I was like, every time I've ever been stressed, something even better came after that. Nice. Um, yeah, and the other piece on all of that too is we we went from like 10,000, 15,000 a week in production pretty quickly to 50 to 60,000 a week in production. It's a big jump. It's a big jump. And then I I go from, you know, 2000 a week in overhead to now almost 10,000 a week in overhead. Yeah. And those, those kinds of things. I mean, it's hard to take leaps on stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the growth pains. You know, if you want to grow fast, you are going to endure more pain in a shorter period of time mm -hmm. for, for better or for worse. So any, anyone listening who, who wants to pursue this level of growth, it is not all roses and, and rainbows as you go through it. Well, and I'd say regardless, I mean, this, the way I'm handling it is so that I can remove myself out and not have to endure this all the time. I would say, I would almost argue if you're taking a slower path, you're just going to experience almost the same kinds of pains and the stresses over a longer period of time. Cause you you have to be plugged into the business cause you don't have a budget to hire other people. So you're, you're kind of just condensing the I guess the painful portion of the business so you can get to the fun portion. Like you said, right now you're having the most fun in your business that you've ever had. What did you mean by that? Oh man. Like I'm working 60 to 80 hours a week still and loving every minute versus. So last year in the peak, I'm doing everything. And like, I, I don't want to wake up early in the morning. Uh, I'm not excited for the next day. Sunday rolls around and I'm like, thank goodness, the one day where no one's working and I can just breathe, which never happens because you have clients who text you on Sundays and ruin your day. Um, versus now I'm waking up at 530 in the morning working out because I just want to feel good. And then we have our team meetings and everyone's getting excited and everyone's on board to build something big. 
Like it's no longer just me saying, hey, I'm going to create something big. It's all these people behind me who are saying, dude, like we're, we're not here to keep your business stagnant. We're here all to grow it where it needs oh. to be. Yeah, amazing. So that networking, you selling people this dream has made it now less lonely for you. It's not just you out, out here slogging through day in, day out. You have a team that's motivated to succeed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's important too because you brought them on with this idea that, hey, you want to be on a speedboat. You know, you want to have opportunity. This is where the company's going. You sold them a vision. It wasn't, hey, I can pay you. And I know for some people you might have offered a pay raise, but hey, I can pay you $2 more an hour. I can pay you 10 grand more a year. And that's why you should care. Instead, your, your focus of why you should care was, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to disrupt this market. We're going to be the top guys. We're going to do this. And I can offer you a pay raise if you ended up doing that. But I think there's a, an important distinction there. Exactly. A big difference. Big difference. Yeah. So what, I guess, what advice do you have um, just generally for, for anyone listening who, who maybe they're starting out or, or maybe they've been going for a while, but they've never seen this cadence of growth, but they want to, what, what would you tell them to focus on? Well, I, I guess the first thing I'd say is, do you really want to? Like, do you really want it? You got to want it. Like if you're, yeah. if you say you want it, but you're not willing to give up the brush or you're not willing to put other people in positions of power to grow this business with, with, and for you, it's never going to happen. You can't sure. do it alone. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd say that's the biggest thing. Understanding you can't do it alone. Like if you're trying to do your own Facebook ads, stop. <laughs> right. Hire a professional. Yeah. If you're trying to do your own Google ads, stop. Hire a professional. If you're Definitely trying to stop that. Yeah. Yeah. Stop. Definitely stop the Google ads. Good Lord. If you don't know what you're doing. I know. I, I tried to waste one. a lot of money. I paid, I paid $80 a click for oh, like wow. three clicks. And I was like, God, I'm so dumb. With probably zero conversions. Oh, no, none. Yeah. And that's, that's actually something. That's a drop trying. in the bucket, man, for a learning experience for Google ads. Yeah. And I, we can get back into advice if you have more specific questions, but you know, I know this is almost kind of marketing centric. Um, we're working on Google ads right now. So Facebook is what gets me a lot of business. Uh, but we're doing Google direct response ads right now. And I've paid $3,000 for three leads. But my cost per click is $6. And I think what the issue is, is the company I hired, which was logical positions, didn't have it running to a conversion-based page. Was it just running to your website? No, it was running to certain sections on my website. So my homepage is built for conversions, mm -hmm. but they were running it. So like exterior painting was the title of the ad. So they ran it to my exterior services page, which didn't have conversions set up. Mm -hmm. Got it. But my, my cost per click was good. The clients clicking on it, I would assume are good. I'm just not converting off those ads. Sure. Yeah. It's a pretty low conversion rate if you're getting $6 a click, but, um, okay, cool, man. So I, I have one, uh, one last question for you. Well, I guess two more questions. How do you see the, the painting industry changing in the future or do you see it changing in the future? Oh man. Um, Yeah, I, I don't know. Hopefully more people come in and treat it 
professionally and we can raise our prices and profit is less of an issue because there are more legitimate companies doing what we're doing. Competition yep. only breeds better product. Yep. Um, I love that. But as far as it changing, I don't know if any engineers will ever listen to this because I don't know that many painters are engineers, but man, I'd really love to see a painting drone or some way to make it automated so that painters, you know, can be robots, not people. Yeah, I'm wondering when Amazon, you know, I, I think I think they have in some places. I've never seen one, but I think they do do some drone deliveries or, you know, at least are in the, in the works of it. Um, I'm wondering when they're going to enter some of these home service industries. I feel like it's only a matter of time, you know, before you start seeing Amazon drones painting, painting your neighbor's house or something. I don't think it's in the near future, but I think one day there, there's going to be something like that. One day it has to. It's just when does that happen? Yeah, at least for the exterior. You know, you look and there's just a just got to move it up and down the side of the house. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, or you set up, I don't know, some sort of frame and walls and you can have something automatically brush and roll. I don't, I don't yep. know. Yeah, no, there, I'm sure there are a lot of ways to do it. I am not an engineer. Um, any other things you want to say, Jack? Really appreciate your time. This has been incredibly insightful. No, I appreciate you having me on uh it's, it's kind of fun i'm you know I, I, I always do a lot of input too so this isn't just me talking from me being me this is from a lot of other people pouring into me and what what has worked for me nice i've heard i've heard worse this has been kind of fun i'll take it i've i've heard worse so i'll take that as a win jack is 23 he's a baby little baby over here and he's doing over two million um and he's just making it happen because mindset is, is the most important thing. So Jack, thank you so much for your time, man. This was a gold mine. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, Brandon. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Hey there, painting company owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us your feedback. Let us know how we did. And also, if you're interested in taking your painting business to the next level, make sure you visit the Painter Marketing Pros website at paintermarketingpros.com to learn more about our services. You can also reach out to me directly by emailing me at brandon at paintermarketingpros.com and I can give you personalized advice on growing your painting business. Until next time, keep growing. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.